0: All right, guys, you're not going to believe this, but I have a very special guest today. You want to say hi?
1: Hello, it is me, Wally.
0: That's right. It's Wally from the movie Wally.
1: I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you for having me, Ethan.
0: I'm super glad that you're here, Wally, and I'd love to talk to you about the movie and, and a million other things.
1: Would you like me to start cleaning the garbage now?
0: What? No, what garbage? What are you talking about?
1: Clearly you brought me here to clean the garbage, because this room is full of garbage.
0: Hey, hey, no, it's not. This is the studio. This is where I keep all my prized possessions, and it's a nice place. What do you there talking
1: There are no prizes here, only garbage. No. I should know my primary function is to clean garbage.
0: Okay, can you- Hey, put that down, please. Don't, don't touch any of my stuff. That's my dad's. Even this? Yes, I don't-
1: yes. And this?
0: You're breaking it. You're breaking- Leave it alone.
1: Even let me ask you a question. What? Do you have any shame?
0: Hey Wally, you're being rude now. Stop you it. You
1: live like a wild beast.
0: Okay, Wally, I'm not going to have you on the rest of the pod if you're going to be like this, okay? It is
1: clear from your appearance that you do not care for your body, as you are in worse shape than the large humans that were lost to space for hundreds of years. But you could at least respect your objects.
0: <laughs> okay, we're done here.
1: Before I leave, I need to ask you one question.
0: Okay, what is it? Are you hungry? Yeah, I am a little hungry. Why? My balls. What?
1: You should eat my robo balls.
0: Oh my god, what is this, man? Is this actually Wally or is this just a big cardboard box with Brent inside?
2: No. Bad science.
1: Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad science.
0: Hi everybody, it's me, you guessed it, your host, Ethan Edinburgh And I'm here to talk about wall with two fantastic people We've been chatting it up a little bit here in the room About Wally and about other things But first let me introduce them, of course First, a comedian, a myth, a legend <laughs> uh, Someone who told me to introduce him as a scientist mm-hmm. Ian Abramson That's correct How's it going, Ian?
3: It's going scientifically great
0: Okay, great I offered you coffee, but you said, do I look like a guy who needs coffee?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty wired without coffee at the moment. You're Wally Wired. Today. I'm Wally Wired. Why? You just gave away. Well, they probably downloaded the title, which was Wally, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They knew. Everybody knows. There's no
0: surprise. Okay, there. good. Um, so we are talking with an incredible person we have here, the director of the Center for Exercise Medicine and Sports Sciences at the School of Biological Science at UC Irvine, Dr. James Hicks. Whoa. Thank, yeah.
2: Thanks for having me here.
3: <laughs> yes. Thanks for being here, James. Um, so I walked in. I just said, are you the scientist? And he said, yeah. I didn't know he had all those wonderful credits. Yeah, yeah. And that's just the beginning, uh, Ian. This is the tip of the
0: iceberg. I'm, I'm telling you, this guy, wow. we could sit here for five hours, and I probably would be, I, I'd request another five hours. Okay. So, basically, no matter what, I'm going to be dissatisfied today. It's not <laughs> going to be enough time. Um, so, first of all, Dr. James Hicks, you were the science
2: advisor on Wally. e I was the, yeah, the science advisor on Wallet, Yeah, that's right. Well, hold what? on a second. You seem you seem a little skeptic as you're saying. No. Is that on your business card? Uh, it was for a while, but oh <laughs> <not> man, <anymore. laughs> no, yeah, I, I advised them on the specific aspects of what would it be like living in space. Got you. Okay,
0: so was my title inaccurate to call you the science advisor?
2: Well, there were, I think they were head advisors on the robotics. Mm. So I did not advise on robotics. Uh, I did advise on the life science aspects of being in space because I'm a physiologist by right. training.
0: So uh. see, I love this already. Modest man, not wow. trying to take the title. That's my you know, band. giving props to <laughs> modest man is your uh-huh. favorite band. <laughs> He's already giving props to like no, there's other scientists that they worked on right. you know other stuff right. and give credit where credits due.
3: That's wild though. So it basically. Any question they had about, like, okay, these people are living in space, uh, w- the way that they're moving, the way that they're choosing to live, all of that they asked you Ex- for the science. Exactly
2: right. In fact, the very first phone call I had when I was, uh, w- before I agreed boy. to do this was, <laughs> <laughs> before I agreed to do this was, what would people look like if they had lived in space for 700 years? Whoa. And I said initially, I don't know, actually. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> okay. Let me call you back, Pixar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: okay. I'll let you ask the No, no, please. Ask okay. questions. Okay. My, I have Take a lot of over. questions. I'm immediately okay. excited. All this all is, right. a, so it, did Pixar say to you, hey, would they be fat, or did you say they would be fat?
2: Well, it kind of evolved into the fact that they would be Fat. fat. Uh, based on some of the physiological changes that that occur when you're in space, when you're in in a microgravity environment.
0: And there was a very big... We were talking very briefly before we started the podcast about how there was a big uh, movement, I guess, where people were... Protesting Wally and coming out against Wally because it was seen as anti-fat because they were like somehow making fun of obese people, um, which was which was your fault, your fault.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My advice, yeah, yeah,
3: you said okay, they have to be fat and that has to be bad, and all the same
2: race. You said, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, it it came about from the fact that when you're in space, you actually lose muscle mass and you lose bone density, and so I just figured. Okay, and you lose it at a certain rate, so... You lose muscle mass about two percent per month. You lose bone mass at about that rate. So what would Whoa. happen if you were there for a year? What if you were there for a lifetime? And then you have a whole you know series of generations in space. So I just sort of projected out what it would be like, and and just actually made the comment. I think you'd just be a big blob. And I can remember them saying, "Whoa, that's great. That's exactly what <laughs> we, we love mean. that." Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, that's listen. so crazy. That's so, like such a big part of the movie.
0: It's huge, and
3: uh, it, it's huge. We're, so you wrote wall He's no, basically yeah. Wow, oh, you heard it here first, folks. I, I, I'm pretty sure this he man directed is it. claiming that he wrote Wally <laughs>
2: from certain, start to finish. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, that's not what I said. <laughs> but but. <laughs> how did they
3: find you?
0: Oh, that's a good question.
2: That's a good question. Well, well, I can tell you the answer to that. So, my office, uh, a colleague in my department, was the science advisor for Finding Nemo. Whoa. And so he it works on locomotion and fish and other marine <laughs> organisms. So he, uh, they, they actually called him first and said they were making this movie about being in space and what would happen to humans. And at that time, I was actually doing some research that was being funded by a small grant from NASA asking this question about the effects of microgravity and the like and how to mitigate those effects. And so he said, I don't really know, but I have a, a, a friend who's a colleague who has his office right next door to mine. You should contact him, and that's how the contact was made.
0: Nice. So, how did he find Whoa. your number? <laughs> just kidding. Okay, I want to talk about some Wally specific stuff first. Okay, it's kind of just I call it soft science, but legitimately, it's just gripes I have with the film. It's and science. I, it's been in space for seven hundred years. Right. Yeah. So it's a little old. Yeah. Um, little and sense uh, sense. and you know you know you guys can weigh in and let me know what you think. The first thing I want to talk about, and it's kind of having to do with this anti-fat movement that was going on, <laughs> but the message that you get from wall is much darker, I think, than these other Pixar movies that, I mean, have come out since, but surely prior to wall mm-hmm. you know, Toy Story, uh, Finding Nemo, like you right. said, and like, you know, it, it's a lot about, I don't know, just like being an outcast and fitting in or, or doing the right thing or, you know, love or having hope, like all, it's a very uplifting message that you get from these Pixar movies, and then WALL-E just in the first 15, 20 minutes is very dark to me. It's talking about it's 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 a it's a biting satire of the human race and how we've just completely ruined our planet and put garbage everywhere because a company told us to. It seems this by and large BNL uh, company that that you know is controlling things kind of uh, in the future. And so I just wanted to know if you guys got that same vibe from the film because I thought it was pretty unique.
2: Well, I mean, I th- I, th- I agree with you. I think it's it, but it really is a, a a film that has a very poignant message. I think that that film actually not only about what we're doing to our environment, but it's actually about what we're doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. What we're doing to ourselves physically. And uh, so for example, if you look in that film when they introduce when you finally see the humans, what are they doing? They're on hovercrafts. Right? right? And they're just floating around. They're not expending any energy to get around at all. And I can actually remember at the time uh, when I was uh, interacting with the, with a group up there. Andrew Stanton, who was the director, was uh, talking about you know wanting to what would people look like and everything we get to this aspect about being blobs but what would they look like? And I said, well you know your spaceship, Your spacecraft actually has gravity in it because, you know, the robots are moving around Mm -hmm. uh, and they're they're not floating around, so there is gravity. As long as there's gravity, you're not going to have all of these detrimental effects associated with space. Mm -hmm. And those detrimental effects are loss of bone mass, loss of muscle mass, uh, changes in your immune function, all these other things that would happen being in space for long periods of time. Uh, But I said, you know, one of the things they do when they study, when scientists study the effects, the physiological effects of being in space is they do bed rest studies. They put you in a bed with your head six degrees down and that simulates being in space. Mm -hmm. And what's associated with that? No physical activity. And the next day when I saw him he said, I think I've got a solution to this, and this, that solution was I think putting people in these little hovercrafts. Wow! And so we're, they're they're in a spaceship with gravity, but they're not doing anything. They're being taken everywhere on these hovercrafts. And right. so it was really, to me, uh, a, a movie that talked about not only what we're doing to our planet, but our lack of complete lack of physical activity, and that's a real problem now that we're that we're facing worldwide in developed countries total lack of physical activity, and that gives rise to all sorts of chronic illnesses. So I think that he was doing both things like that and and, in that sense. And it was a little hopeful at the end. I mean, they do come back to the planet, and they are starting to walk around around. again. So there is that little hopeful message at the end, but it really was, I think, talking about those two issues.
3: Yeah. I gotta say I disagree with both you guys. <laughs> you didn't get that from the film? No. You guys are talking about how it's a satire on humans. Wally is about robots. You said specifically right, the first fifteen minutes. What human is in the first fifteen minutes? What's, your, what's your favorite video. human? What's your favorite human character there's in the video. first fifteen minutes? I, I, video? So it's technology? <laughs> so you're so saying that mi- it's technology, robot? Okay.
0: Boom. I will say and and I wanna get back to your point eventually about yeah. how humans you know don't move in developed right. countries. But since we're on the topic of the first fifteen minutes, I love the beginning of this movie how there's no dialogue and how it's like very quiet very patient storytelling just visually Um, but then and you know again this is like I'm, I'm complaining about the movie and I feel bad about it because it's so good I cried this is a safe space Okay, Thank you so much. I loved I just remember like, oh, I know the beginning of this movie is really patient And it's just music and it's really quiet and beautiful and visual storytelling But then I, I completely forgot about this video that comes on and just tells you
3: everything that happened and gives you the whole storyline Right. So, so you're saying you agree with me that the best part of WALL-E is the robots. Yeah, Totally. Right. And that's but what it's about. Rule. It's about the effect of robots on Earth, not humans. I have to disagree with you guys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. This, this, this is all about drama. Who's, who's the main good podcast. guy? Wally. Who's the main bad guy? The Otto. ship. Otto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: See? Well, we were talking earlier about those first 15 minutes. I mean, I, I was saying earlier that, you know, when I first went up there and they sort of gave me a synopsis of this movie and they said, well, the first 30 minutes or so, there's going to be no dialogue. And I just smiled and shook my head. But in my brain, I was thinking, this doesn't sound like it's going to be very good.
0: <laughs> um, that sounds
3: boring.
2: <laughs> uh, so, But this is why I don't make movies. So, because, <laughs> so.
3: They knew that level of detail, but then they didn't know that every human was going to be fat and in hovercrafts? Right. Maybe they hadn't figured that out yet. Whoa. (laughs) They didn't know what the humans would look
0: like. I think that
2: there was a sense about, they knew a little bit about atrophy and those kinds of things that happens in space. Mm. Uh, But I think, uh, you know, I would like to think that the the whole hovercraft thing came out of our discussions about bed rest studies and simulating the effects of space when you're in in a gravitational field like you you would be in a spaceship.
3: Yeah. This is kind of a sidebar, but I think it's relevant. Have Uh you ever been uh, in a non-gravity situation? No. No, I haven't. Okay. Wow, But you use you, you know a lot about non-gravity. Is there a better way to say non-gravity situation? You can sit Well, there's always gravity.
2: Well, there's always gravity. There's never zero gravity. That, you okay. shouldn't say zero gravity. I shouldn't. Because if there was zero gravity, Don't the moon me. would I not will. rotate around the Earth. It would fly off somewhere else, right? There oh. are gravitational forces out there. But it's... Mic- we, they refer to it Micro. as microgravity. Microgravity. Yeah, yeah, microgravity. yeah I like wow.
0: that. Microgravity. Would you okay. want to be in a microgravity situation? Like, do you want to go to space and walk around?
2: There was a period... You know, when I was doing research uh, that had some funding from NASA, and we were working on this thing, this device called the Space Cycle. Oh I my thought, goodness! Uh, yeah, we
3: can <laughs> talk about you that. Heard it. This is I, the sequel to Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say next, you're um, hearing the sequel to Wally.
2: There was a um, there was a part of me that thought it would be kind of cool to be in space. I do know. Uh, Don't I, skip I over, do over about, the
3: Space Cycle. What is the Space <laughs> Cycle? Yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, the Space Cycle. So one of the things that happens, as <laughs> I said, when you're in space, is you lose muscle mass and you get cardiovascular deconditioning that goes on not in terms of your exercise performance, but you have a hard time once you're back in a 1G field, like we are on Earth. 1G, one, one gravity? One gravity, okay. right? one, 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 one G field. You have a hard time regulating your blood pressure. So astronauts, when they return after a long mission and Maybe they, that's l- what's happening to me. And they land on the, and they return to the planet, If you'll notice, they have a hard time standing up sometimes, immediately, because they can't regulate their blood pressure. So that's the result of some of these physiological changes that go on. So NASA, for a long time, has had what they call their countermeasure program. How do you mitigate or reduce these effects of being in space? Loss of bone mass, cardiovascular deconditioning, loss of muscle mass. And so there's been, you know, you've seen pictures of people running on treadmills in the space station or doing rows, you know, rowing machines, uh, different kinds of suits that they wear to try to, to or simulate resistance to movement. And we came up with a device called the Space Cycle. And what this was, it was a short-armed, human-powered centrifuge.
0: So that This when, is Wally too. Yeah. So he, that by the way, he paused there because Ian and I
3: were just. <laughs> we just looked faces, at each other. Were like. Ooh, say, just say that phrase again. It's a short armed, just say this. Short armed, human powered centrifuge. That is the entire pitch to a movie. Yeah. That's all you have to say if you're like, I'm oh, in. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That, imagine that on a poster. I don't even know what the picture is, but that
2: tagline is enough. So it's using the effects of centrifugal force to uh-huh. generate a G forces uh and, you gravity sp- forces. and gravity forces and you spin around as you cycle and the arms of the of this short arm sentries swing out and you spin around and wow. And it like, and you gives can, you can, the illusion of exercise. It gives you the you know you are exercising. It gives you the <laughs> illusion of, of gravity. Right. Whoa. Right? And of so of this gravitational is forces. In, so you would you could fly if you could do this in space. We thought this would be a good way to yeah. reduce these effects by training on the space cycle on a regular basis. Wow. It turns out it's a little bit hard. To, it's 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 fairly big device. It could almost fit in this room, but you uh, it's heavy and. And but it, it would, wouldn't be
3: in 1g, in zero, in right. microg. But, micro but you
2: got to you, you got to lift off from the planet, and ev- they worry mm. about every pound that you add to the total weight to lift off. Right. So I think it, what they do now is actually NASA does use a short arm human power or a short arm centrifuge, and they train on the ground before they go into space, but they don't use it in space.
0: This is all great. I feel like such a schmuck going into these wally details when we <laughs> can just ask them about this stuff. But I guess we have to talk about the movie. I mean, oh, we all yeah. watch the movie. Let's get back in for a second, but we'll, we'll zoom back out because okay. this is all great. Um, okay, so you guys know what Wally stands for? Little pup quiz. Yes. Okay. Electronic wall.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was the case. James? I actually have no idea. <laughs> it is the wandering animatronic <laughs> levity lover. And electronic. E. Okay, electronic. <laughs> <laughs> no, um,
0: it was very briefly said in the movie. That's why I, I wrote it down. But it's Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class. Wow. Wow. So, so it should be Wallach. I was going to say, it should be Wallach. Right. Which is still kind of a cool name. Yeah, Not as that cute, sounds like a, like a wizard. Wallach, yeah. Wallach. That's true. Maybe. Anyways, I wanted to ask you guys if you cried while you watched the movie. Yes, but not because of the movie.
3: <laughs> I will not, in I will, pain. I will not elaborate. <laughs> I can't ask you about it? No. Please. You, the, I'm accepting only questions about Wally, and the reason I was crying had not to do with the movie. Ian, why were you crying? I'm not going to talk. That's my parents' business, not mine. It's not my business. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to call your mom after this. I'm going to ask her. Go ahead. Just don't record it. All
0: right. <laughs> I won't. Uh, James, did you I shed some tears? No, I didn't. Wow. How
3: much, how often... <gasps> What stage of the movie? Did you watch it in? Was it like uh, oh, right. at the like like okay, we're planning the movie. We have questions. We'll call you in two years and now see the finished product, Hears or was and it stick like figures. like yeah? Was it was it okay? We have this ten minutes as stick figures or what?
2: No, well, so in terms of being up there at Pixar and Interact, so I went up there to give a just to meet Stan, Andrew Stanton and others involved, and then I came back up and I actually gave a, a, a very long. Actually, it was like a three-hour lecture to the entire crew. So they brought the entire crew into this big auditorium. They wired me up, and for three hours, I talked about what happens to the bodies in space. I talked about evolution. I talked about what would happen, you know, did you plan on talking for three hours? Did they, did they, no, no. Did they tell you like three to six? Uh, yeah, yeah. No. And go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. I, that would that, be so cool. I think
2: they got worried when I opened up my slide deck and I had 150 slides. <laughs> but
0: but no, what I There's everything I've ever learned. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, why they called you. What was really great about it was that I actually came away from that experience saying it was it was the best sort of Course or lecture I ever gave in terms of the interaction of the audience because they were so enthusiastic about wanting to learn everything they could about what happens in a space environment. That the reason it lasted three hours, I only planned for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, I know not to talk that long, (laughs) but it was, but I was interrupted every few minutes with a question. And normally when I'm lecturing in class at, you know, at Irvine, uh, I may not get any. Well, if I right. usually don't get any questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless I ask a question of the audience. Yeah. But the yeah. crew was just so enthusiastic, and it really was an enjoyable experience doing Only that. Only question
3: I asked during college was when's recess? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> I, I was did, busy with my tamagotchi. <laughs> so I did go around and meet the various artists, and 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 then at some point saw little snippets of of parts of the film that weren't complete. They were sort of very rough draft and everything mm. like did that.
0: Did you still think like this is stupid?
2: <laughs> I didn't actually. Yeah, I I didn't think it was stupid, but I didn't quite get what was going on with it at the time. And then okay. it was just mainly whether they needed me for additional kinds of information, it would be through email or contact that way.
3: How familiar with other Pixar movies were you?
2: Uh, Well, I knew about Finding Nemo Mm -hmm. and... uh Boys stories mm-hmm. it was out and yep. that kind of thing yeah so yeah so you were yeah. like okay they make movies that yeah, yeah. people yeah, yeah. have enjoyed they're, yeah. the big they're not idiots yeah. No,
3: no. I... <laughs> this one seems like a avant garde weird half hour of silence this might yeah. be yeah. their this, might this be will literally be swap. their 2001 <laughs> space odyssey right. of right. their work yeah this will depress <laughs> a bunch of children and not make any money <laughs> so I'll and I'll be instead <laughs> it made a lot of money and depressed children and yeah. it won an academy award Oh, wow. what did it win an academy award for? you won an
2: academy award? I
3: did not win you heard it here was your the writer of Wally won an
2: Academy Award no, no it won, I think it won the Academy Award for best animated film oh
3: good that wow. year that's great okay did. I'm so sorry but this is mm-hmm. this is relevant to Wally where did they have you stay when you were up there <laughs> doesn't seem relevant, but go ahead, answer the
2: question. I don't remember, actually. <laughs> okay, it was a sort of they had
3: you stay in a place that was not very good. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah, Pixar's cheap. <laughs> that's what the director said.
2: Okay, moving on. on.
0: Yeah, we have the director here, yep. and that's what he said. So. <laughs> um, I thought it was kind of silly how Eve, when she gets to Earth, mm-hmm. she's shooting everything. She's shoot first, ask questions later. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but like her whole reason for going there is to find some but like plant life Mm -hmm. or any sign of life. So I just feel like by exploding things constantly, that's like the worst way
3: to try and find life. Yeah, that's true. How would you find life in a one G situation?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't that's go around a shooting time. a phaser at everything. <laughs>
0: yeah, inappropriate. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty silly. Um, I'm gonna. I wanted to have you guys guess how many times I cried. I thought both of you would have cried for sure just from the I movie. Did.
2: Well, when you said cry not from, though, but not from the movie. When you said cry, I yeah. thought maybe sort of outward. I mean, I may have had a tear, but I water the go. eyes. But this is what I'm. I don't talking think about. I was outwardly sobbing in. The <laughs> yeah. In the
0: well. So I, I wasn't outwardly <laughs> sobbing either, but I found my eyes getting teary and tears coming yeah. down a few times. I, I was going to have you guess, but it was four. It was four wow. times during this film, and I was watching by myself. I,
2: I, I, think, <laughs> I, I, I think I may have c- cried a little bit more. As I start to realize how successful the film was becoming, and thought maybe <laughs> I should have asked for more money.
3: But <laughs> <laughs> but, yep. Uh, once again, Pixar cheap. Oh no! no, no they, but they no compensated no, was, us very was. well. I was also, whoa, whoa whoa You I, got compensated? I, yeah. Oh, I didn't mention that. No. I was also a, cons- con- for a consultant for what? Just for doing this? Yeah. I was. I was the. Uh, um, I was the consultant as a human person. Oh, so you said like, if I was human in space for 700 years, this is what it this is like. what I would feel like. Yeah. They based <laughs> it on me.
0: That's important. Yeah. Um, there's a part where she holds out the plant in space, mm-hmm. which I thought was just impossible. I mean, unless you guys have proof. Otherwise, I know you're a scientist Ian. Yeah. But yeah, she like takes the plant out and she's like, oh, Wally, thank God. But she just it's just out in space. And that kind of took Great me question. out of a really beautiful moment that they were having.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, incredibly cold temperatures and a vacuum that would probably not the is it did, what does right it now? actually mean that
3: space is a vacuum what like because I think vacuum it's like constantly sucking the, yeah you're telling me hey I uh, I but it's like such a big space. I mean, it is space. They named they named space after space. And right. So right. then it's just a vacuum. What well, I does mean, that so mean?
2: so think about it, it. Comes from you know an atmosphere, right? So we there's no atmosphere in space. Mm-hmm. So why do we not feel? I mean, here on on the, on the Earth's surface, we have all this all these gases sitting up above us: oxygen, nitrogen, some little CO2, other other uh, rare gases. And that goes all the way up, you know, miles, and that has weight when you add it all up. And that weight generates pressure, and that generates then this sense of, a, of a, yeah, pressure around us. And when you don't have that... What would you? What, what is it then? If you remove all the that's atmosphere, that's what I'm asking you, you man. <laughs> you're the professional. Hey, Ian, you calm don't get down. to flip this on me. This is why I didn't give you coffee. I thought you said you were a scientist, though.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, you're a colleague. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Okay. Okay. I'm a fraud.
0: <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> I think it's a, it's it's like it's a vacuum by our. Perception, Right, right. Okay. Right. But like... So okay. you remove
2: that atmosphere and then you don't have anything that is creating pressure. And so there's a vacuum there. Mm-hmm. So like you just
3: plop a rock in space. When I think of vacuum, I think like it's like being sucked in somewhere. But where where do things... But we
2: do that, right? We create vacuums on the planet, right? In, in this, on the surface by, remo- by lowering the pressure. And you lower the pressure mm-hmm. by, you know, r- removing volume out of... Let's say you have an, a glass jar and you're going to start removing air out of that. The pressure falls... Now that creates this like a, a vacuum. That, where does that pressure come from initially in, in the jar? Yeah. It's coming from our atmosphere. Right. So I'm now withdrawing that out of that glass jar, and it now has this low pressure. So a vacuum is a very low pressure, and that's what you have in space. So the
3: plant is in there, and the the very low temperatures would make it freeze, presumably. Yes. But what would the vacuum do to the plant?
2: Well, I don't I don't know what the pressure the pressures inside plants are relatively small, but I mean for us, I mean we yeah. would start to like. You know, we have well, a you pretty, high, the sentence. pretty high pressures, and we would start, you know, things would start your, your eyes would start to bulge out and things would start to happen. Your tongue would start to swell. Very much like a Total Recall. You know that scene from Total Recall? <laughs> oh,
0: wow. yeah. That's the, the, I did not expect you to say that that scene wow. is accurate.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know, I've never seen this happen in space, so I don't really know, but I can is imagine NASA, without... Has NASA done this? Yeah, have but, they but, sent but,
0: out corpses into space How do we, know, how do what we know we can't breathe in space? But, uh,
2: but, uh, well, you could try the experiment and see right, if it works. I'll i mean, do we it. Be That's your first experiment up. as a scientist. That's, but about <laughs> but, about, but about exploding without pressure i mean you know what happens we have an corollary here on earth if you go down to into the deep oceans mm-hmm. and you pull up or you know fish that live in very deep oceans and you bring them up they don't live very long once they come to the surface right. and it's because they have this they're adapted to these very high pressures uh, at depth and then suddenly that's generating uh, you know that uh, uh, these animals just sort of like I don't know if they explode, but they simply don't survive very well, and they yeah. start to fall apart pretty quickly. Wow. So there are these, you know, that's a cor- corollary to us mm-hmm. yeah. suddenly going into space, and suddenly there's Yeah, I think that's atmosphere. a good,
0: yeah, example of how nothing should really exist or try to exist outside of their normal environments. It exactly. feels like that's another big message in some of these sci-fi movies we've been watching where it's like, Humans are, like, we can live here on Earth really well if right. we're smart about it. And if we try anything else, if we try to live in space or we try another planet, we're doomed. There's just no, just because it's a different place, we can try to recreate our environment, but as much as we can, we're, we're in
2: trouble. Yeah, we are really adapted to this environment, right? Millions of years yeah. of evolution make us very well adapted. That's why we're very t- strongly tied into circadian rhythms and everything else. And uh yeah. yeah, I would try to go someplace else and it's pretty difficult.
3: Do you think that maybe the reason that humans are struggling to survive in space is because, similarly to the bends, a scuba diver coming up too fast, what if we just went into space really slowly? Instead of taking a rocket, we just <laughs> built a ladder and just like one rung at a time, took
2: a few <laughs> minutes, Yeah, we'd probably be okay. Well, then but we Let, gotta, letting our bodies adjust to the pressure. Well, Believe but, me, but, I know. But that pressure also means that we have uh, it. It creates a higher pressure for oxygen, and we need oxygen.
3: Okay.
0: So right. that's something
2: that we need
3: oxygen. We need We need
0: oxygen theoretically. Okay. Look, uh, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we have a game, and then we're gonna get into some of these really uh, hard science questions I have for you. Okay. Okay. Let's take a break
1: over. Here we go back to the show about science.
0: All right, we are back and I have a uh, a game here that is is all centered around Ben Burt. Do you know who Ben Burt is? No, Ben Burtt was the sound designer on WALL-E okay. and he is actually like a legend in the industry he did Star Wars and Indiana Jones and E.T. and all these uh, huge movies and so the game is called It Doesn't Burtt to Know About Sound Design It
1: doesn't Burtt to Know About Sound Design
0: and we're going to listen to a few examples of some sounds and then we'll hear how Ben actually designed those sounds. Okay? Okay. So, I'll I'll ask you guys in between how you think he did it. Oh, okay. Great. All right. It's like a little game. So, let's hear the first one. Let's hear uh, Eve's laser gun. Ooh. (laughs) So, any guesses on that one?
2: Guesses of the origin of that?
0: Yes. How, if you were... Um, contacted to make laser sound. sounds. Yeah, laser gun sounds. What would you do? What would you record? I'm pretty sure I know.
3: Okay. Yeah. You cover an elephant in ping pong balls. Okay. <laughs> Weird first step. Keep yeah. going. And you drop them off of a building. But, like, on the bottom of the building is, like, a bouncy house mattress oh. situation. So they're totally safe. No animals harmed. Right. But the sound of that is the, that. Is that sound. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
2: Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think part of the, what the sound you I heard... it sounded you scientist.
3: I was sure. Sorry, well, go
2: on. The thing about science is that you have to always though. know. <laughs> yeah, be confident. they say about science. Well, I'm outside my realm right now, but, um... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard the uh, the sounds of a flushing uh, toilet in there a little bit. Oh. And, and then sure. exaggerated a bit, and then you play with the frequencies of that, and you try to get the... Ooh. Okay.
0: I, I will say before, you know, making any sort of judgment, I'm not going to make any judgment. I'm just saying... This is a really hard task I'm giving you guys. <laughs> it's very tough to know how he does it. I made feel like we sounds. both
3: nailed it, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's apparently not. Equally nailed it. Um, so let's listen to Ben's explanation. I discovered uh, years ago that if you strike a slinky like spring with any object, you don't just get a clunk on the pickup mic or a ping, you get a pew. That happens because. The high frequencies travel faster than the low frequencies. So if you listen to the sound far away down the wire, the high frequencies get there first, and then the sort of mid frequencies and the low frequencies. So you get...
3: It's a laser gun. So, pretty Thanks, cool. Thanks, Ben. It's, yeah. it was, wow. it's a shame that Ethan won't let you talk outside of those segments, but it's nice to have you in the room here. <laughs> yeah, I told him,
0: just when I throw to you and then your mm-hmm. mic's going to be off, so don't even try. Yeah. So He's trying right now, but we can't hear him. Um, yeah, so Slinky. I uh, thought that was really cool. <coughs> yeah, um, that's interesting. So this is uh, some the sounds of uh, thunder and uh, and also sounds of the ship. Okay. Okay. So it's these like low rumbles. What do you think uh made, makes that sound?
2: Well, it's hard for me. I, I, you might be able to get that sound from listening to somebody's stomach gurgling. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and then, again, playing with the frequencies and slowing things down. And, yeah. And you could do that, maybe. I
0: think, I think that sound sounds like a swamp. <laughs> if you ever listen to that, it uh, sounds like a gurgle. Like, if they ever have, like, a swamp scene, maybe that's where they took it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, anyways.
3: I think they made a tent out of, uh, like, tin foil wrapping paper. Okay. And that's the sound of somebody trying to unfold it properly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, honestly, you're not that far off. I know. Uh,
3: I'm pretty much exactly right.
0: Always exactly right, scientist Ian Abramson. Uh, l- let's uh, play the example.
2: Another classic device is the thunder sheet it's a piece of sheet metal and you can get
0: a wonderful low frequency rumble out of it so yeah it's basically i saw the thing thanks ben (laughs) thanks a lot ben it's like this huge yeah almost uh curtain looking piece of sheet metal that they shake and mic. it's pretty sweet Wow.
2: So it's obviously that I'm not cut out for this particular area. You. <laughs> you're
3: being really hard on yourself. You have so many other skills. Yeah, yeah, you're doing great, James. Great at um, writing WALL-E, directing wall Yeah, animating Wally. e
0: <laughs> um, So let's hear the last one. This is the sound of the wind. So ignore that little machine sound, just, just mm-hmm. the wind sound, which they use on and off throughout the film. How do you think you would make wind, artificial wind? a really big fan event fan Oh, fan. Okay, so actually create wind.
2: I was actually going to say the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We, two, I want to add it two scientists to agree.
3: If you want wind, get a fan.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's good advice.
0: Um, so this one I don't have the 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 verbal explanation of, but I watched him do it on a video online. He basically tied this like really large metal canister to his body, and <laughs> then just walked backwards through this carpeted hallway. And, and that's the sequel to Wally. (laughs) Yeah, it's just this one dude. No, so, yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. If you're ever, like, I don't know, dragging a suitcase or something over, uh, over carpet, it kind of sounds like wind, but I would have never thought to make that wind. But but it would seem to me
2: if you wanted a wind sound, why wouldn't you just go out and record the wind? Yeah,
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's a great question because he is kind of the pioneer of doing that kind of stuff, just like going out and getting actual sounds of jets and all kinds of stuff. But for this, he, I don't know. He was like, well, I didn't want to use the standard wind machine, so I realized I could do this, and it's just him with this huge, like, gas
3: tank. (laughs) It's very strange. If I, if I was this guy, I would go out and get the actual sound and make up big elaborate stories of how I'm making it. That, would, that way, <laughs> right. no one could copy
0: me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you could charge them, you know, upcharge
3: them. Totally, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna make it in this town. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so just I mean on on the on the Wally front, um, did you like? Did you guys? Is it your favorite Pixar movie? For me, it's it's up there. I'm not going to give away what I think, but how do you guys feel?
2: Um, yeah, I would say it is my favorite Pixar movie, maybe because I was associated with it. (laughs) Right, a little biased. No, but no, I no. What I like about it is I do like the message, and I Mm. think it's more than just uh, you know, just fun and games. It really is. It is has a good message to it.
3: Yeah. Wally is absolutely not my favorite. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite? <clears throat> um, Does I've loved also... Coco recently. Coco yeah. was incredible. I just saw that. Oh, man. Uh, but I think Up was Ooh. the one that really hit it for me. Interesting. Yeah. Up. Mm-hmm. I
0: liked Up, but not one of my favorites. Not in my top three. Really? Yeah. What? I think it's between Wally and Coco for me. Really? When I sell mm-hmm. Coco, also cried. And just... Had that, yeah, just a revelation of like, wow. What's the third
3: in the top three? So
0: incredibly good. Mm, Toy Story, probably. Mm. The first Toy Story is good. Yeah, I think the first Toy Story. Interesting. And, you know, Dr. James Hicks uh, agrees with me. So, obviously, I think I'm on to something here. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty smart, (laughs) I'd say. Um, So, the stuff we were talking about before, as far as the bed rest study... The space station, you know, humans being out in space. Right. This is all stuff you said that you you previously studied, and that you've you've moved on to other stuff. And we briefly touched on exercise oncology. Right. So, can you kind of elaborate on that for
2: us? Well, what we can elaborate on. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. I mean, because it all has to do
0: with the film. I mean, it's, it it the,
2: very much has to do with the film because, as we said uh, earlier, I think that this film was really an allegory for what's going on with the rise in chronic illness that we're seeing in this country and other countries as well. Other developed countries, and that cr- rise in chronic illness really is associated with two things. Nutritional issues mm-hmm. and also uh Lack of regular physical activity, right? And this is what happens in a modern world where we're in our cars, we're at our desks, and we don't have time. Yeah, and to they be kind out. of touched
0: on both because it's not just people in those hover chairs, but everybody's drinking out of those cups. Exactly. Those, uh, it looks like the what does it call from Seven Eleven, like a Slurpee. Right. Everything exactly. looks like a Slurpee, which to me kind of represented, yeah, junk food or
2: something. Right. Exactly. And so you combine, you know, increased caloric intake with very little physical activity, and so you see this rising rates of obesity in around the world around the developed world especially in especially in this country and again the lack of physical activity is associated with a whole variety of chronic illnesses mm. and it that has real impact on us i mean it has real impact on our on our economy we spend about 3 trillion dollars a year or so in healthcare in this country right. 3 trillion and about 85% of that is associated with money spent on chronic illnesses and those chronic illnesses are like type 2 diabetes uh, and uh, and again all this sort of co- what we call co- comorbidities are those things that are associated with being uh, uh, obese uh, that cause you know you don't die from that right away right but It takes a lot of, you know, people are going to the doctors for a whole variety of other issues associated with that. And so part of what we are uh, trying to do at the Center for Exercise Medicine Sports Sciences is really promote the kinds of studies that look at exercise, not in terms of human performance, like for sports necessarily, but actually how regular physical activity can improve overall health. Uh, not only prevent disease, but can actually alter disease trajectories once you have a disease. Mm. And so to give you an example, we were talking about earlier about exercise oncology. I don't do research in that area, but that's a growing area, and what do I mean exercise oncology? There's a whole variety of studies now that show that once people have been diagnosed with specific cancers like breast cancer, colorectal cancer, or prostate cancer, that if they are parte- participate in regular walking three hours a week, or cycling, swimming, and they do it on a regular basis, that they have better survival outcomes, that they are able to deal with the the standard therapies of radiation or chemotherapy, they're able to, to, to you know, have a, a better outcomes associated with those. They can deal better with those. Mm-hmm. They, don't, uh, they lessen the amount of depression associated with cancer diagnosis. And this is, again, has given rise to this area called exercise oncology. The role of exercise really almost as a medicine. And so, if you think about exercise science or exercise physiology or kinesiology, all those terms are used for exercise, uh, the study of exercise. The 20th century was really focused on what we would call Sort of the blood and guts of exercise, how the heart works, how the lungs work, how the skeletal muscles work, and all that sort of focused on sports performance. Mm-hmm. How do you how do we run the fastest mile? How do you run the fastest marathon? How do you improve that? You know, being amazed by things like the Tour de France and, and other kinds of athletic events. I think the where we're going now is exercise science in the 21st century is understanding the mechanisms by how regular exercise physical activity improves health and can actually alter diseases. For example, alt, you know, why is it that regular exercise improves your survivability of cancers? Mm-hmm. Why is it that regular exercise improves your memory? Those who regu- undergo regular physical activity have better memory, wow. better cognitive function than people that don't exercise or who are sedentary for long periods of time. Wow. And this is really important in our aging population. So I think that that's where exercise science is going and that's what we're trying to promote. It's great.
3: That's unbelievable. I, <laughs> one thing I think that we we could do to really improve the outcome there is include events geared towards that in the Olympics, you know? Get, like, ex- sitting on an exercise ball in the Olympics, you know? Ooh. Walks through the parks mm-hmm. in the Olympics.
0: Yep. Right? Yep. That way people can look at that like it's a heroic, uh, inspirational...
3: Yeah. Right. Standing desk Olympic mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just desk stretches. <laughs> yeah, standing <laughs> right. desks in the Olympics. If you yeah. could just stand at a desk... for for the
0: Olympics six hours while putting up putting it together in Excel sheet absolutely (laughs) yes whoa multitasking yeah pretty cool Mm -hmm. that's fascinating is it does it matter like have you guys done studies and I say you guys as in the scientific community us Um, (laughs) yeah Yeah, both of you (laughs) done studies to figure out if it matters what age you are Uh, when you start exercising? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people maybe that are listening that are thinking like, well, you know, I haven't been exercising for my entire life, so I'm screwed and whatever.
2: No, I think you can always start exercising. There's this remarkable uh, process that we call phenotypic plasticity. That's my AOL password. Is it? Phenotypic (laughs) plasticity? What was it? (laughs) Phenotypic plasticity. So it means, you know, if I stress my body, I my body will adapt to that stress. It was almost like your mm. ladder going up into space. But yeah, I didn't agree right. with that particular example. Wow. But still, <laughs> wow, inspired by you wait five inspired. years. Yeah. You're going to be like he did it. Yeah. He did it. <laughs> but but so when you when you're when you're walking or when you're running or when you're cycling swimming, your body's undergoing this stress that you get an increased metabolism, increased blood flow, increased heart rate, and over time, your body starts to make these adaptations to it. You you increase in the, the you know the the efficiency of the of those uh, cellular organelles called mitochondria that produce the what you know the, the energy that we need to to move, you get better blood flow, you get better you know your heart gets a little bit bigger, hmm. and so uh, you get all of these benefits associated. And that's again the system's plastic; it changes with stress. You never lose phenotypic plasticity. It's a it's 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 and it's the moment we're born, and it's. You know, you could be 90 years old, and if you start exercising, hmm. you will see changes. And there's studies that show that. I mean, there's been this recent study of 90 plusers who can't, you know, get up off of a chair, or they have very a lot of difficulty without a significant help. They put them, they have them undergo weight training or resistance training, hmm. and over time, they can start to do that. So wow. you don't lose plasticity. So you can take up exercise at any time. Awesome. And it has, again, just positive benefits of improving your overall quality of life. What I like to tell people is you can't change your chronological age. Right. right? Age is just
3: a number, right? right. But you Wait, just a number. Yeah, I don't think that's what IQ right. <laughs> just a number.
2: You can't change your chronological age, but you can the
3: change the amount of count, <laughs> uh, continents, just a number.
2: <laughs> those all those what? are all are they are all numbers, right? That's <laughs> right. Numbers. Yes. Are that's all what we're numbers. here to exactly. learn Sorry. <laughs> no, no. So you can't change your physiolog your chronological age, but you can change your physiological age and that's how your body, you know and that, I love really, that Yeah, so we're you know uh, uh, b- believe it or not, I'm 85. No. <laughs> wow. I don't believe you. No. Yeah. No. no, but still, you can't. Physiologically, <laughs> I'm 85. Yeah. 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 But no, mentally,
0: I'm four. <laughs>
2: but but that's the message I try to get out of this. You can't change your chronological age, but you really can. You can be. So a my six- body could go back in time, even though I can't. You can. You can. If that's you, awesome. when you undergo wow. regular. Let's say... Uh, if These you, abs are going to the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you regularly exercise, you can have a 60-year-old who regularly, uh, let's say, cycles or swims or runs. Their muscles can be this physiologically the same age as a 25-year-old or yeah, 30-year-old. I've and actually data run into that
0: uh, several times on the basketball court where people will come and they'll bring their dad or their uncle who's 60 or so and in just way better shape than me and destroy
3: me. Just think no. of the Six Flags guy, you know? Yeah, he's killing it. Mm-hmm. That guy's in shape. <laughs> um, can I repeat back what you just said to you to make sure I understand it? Sure. Oh, boy. Okay, so what the body needs is stress, and that stress can be plastic as long as you continue to get older? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I don't, I don't think that that's right. No. Well... You no. heard it here first,
0: folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mathematician Ian Abramson. <laughs> space ladder Ian Abramson. <laughs> um, okay, great. So I already asked you if you wanted to go to space. Uh, it didn't seem like you were very enthusiastic about it. A lot of people are trying to figure that out. I, I do not. I'm scared. Do you want to go to space? I would. Uh,
3: I would be terrified, and I. How could you pass that up? Like you're this. telling me you wouldn't go to space if it was like, "Hey, you we'll will be free. able to safely go to space tomorrow." No, I would go to space. Yeah. Oh, you would go. Yeah. To I, would, I mean, you're but, the one that wouldn't go to space. Don't, don't put think, words in his mouth. I don't think. Don't I would. put anything in his mouth. Yeah. This is your guess. Yeah, you're right. Why would I do that?
2: I would go to space. I don't think I would have a. I, I wouldn't be a, an, an astronaut, but the to travel into space would be an experience. Can okay. I ask
3: you what is the difference between somebody that goes to space and an astronaut?
2: Uh, because an astronaut really knows what they're doing up in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: One's a tourist and one. Yeah, a you could have someone just uh, athlete. Right. Has there been, to your knowledge, somebody that's gone into space that is not an astronaut?
2: Well, there are scientists that go into space that become part of the astronaut corps, but they are, you know, they they're they're technical experts in something, so they go to space. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. Have you met them? I haven't. Well, I did have an opportunity. I had an opportunity to meet Buzz Aldrin once, which was very cool. Yeah, and I actually have a colleague who is a uh, who I know from the scientific community, uh, who is in the astronaut corps right now. That's great. So,
3: wow, I could never be an astronaut. Are there astronauts that have never been to space? Yes. You okay, can... I clearly don't understand the qualifications of an astronaut. The <laughs> <I> one think... <laughs> thing that I thought made someone an astronaut is not a requirement, and in fact, yeah. many are I not. I think it's the combo
0: of scientist and athlete. I think, like, so just like knowing about space. And, yeah. you, and if you're lucky,
3: you get to go. You get
2: to fly. Here's what I'm hearing, here.
3: that as long as I understand how to fly, I can be a bird.
2: That's what <laughs> it sounds like you're yeah, saying to I, me.
3: Once again, it's a gross
0: misunderstanding <laughs> that's that taking place here. <laughs> not accurate. Um, but I do appreciate what you said about people being able to work out at any age. I feel like that's kind of what they do in the film, where they get back to Earth and they right. realize, okay, we can walk around and be humans again. So that's I had a completely
3: right. different takeaway. Optimistic once again. My takeaway was robots don't have to exercise. I, I mean, that is true. It yeah. Think of how long like... Wally worked. and Which, by the way,
0: Wally, why is he the only one that works? Did you guys right. think about that? Yeah, he's he's the only thing. you see him in the beginning driving around and there's like a Bunch of dead wallies like f- f- tons of them, and he's he works fine Yeah, explain that There's like a Screen giant writer Wally of Wally, too, Wally too.
3: Right? <laughs> <laughs> It seems really strange to me Only one and they as, only an, send as one an expert program. on gravity human bodies and space who, who do you think is better? mankind
2: or robots? It depends. Great answer. Okay. So if you want to do long-term, I believe if you want to do long-term exploration of space, where we we go out to the outer edges of the solar system and beyond, it'll be done by robots. Whoa. Well, do you think they'll tell us what they find? Keep to themselves. If we program (laughs) them correctly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have like robots in your house that you are sketched out about? Well... we have Alexa at our house. Okay, so yes. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. she's listening to everything you guys are saying.
2: We're, we're finding that out. She sometimes just pipes in. It's like, wait no. a minute. Why why is she saying this right now? What do you mean? Do you have an example? Well, you know, you're watching something on TV or listening to some music and something triggers her and she'll say something like, I don't know that right now or something. And it's just oh, like, oh, uh, so my god. She listening?
0: thinks they're talking to her. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, it's
3: kind of like a dog or a cat would do the same thing. AI is a big part of Wally. Uh, do you find AI exciting or terrifying?
2: Uh, I think there's both to it. I think there's a lot of excitement about wow, just what like AI. It's like fireworks.
3: Can do. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? They're exciting and terrifying. Oh, fireworks. got it. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Go on.
2: Right. No, I mean, there's some really exciting things going on. For example, with uh, image recognition and and artificial intelligence in terms of the field of radiology. Mm. So I just went to a talk recently where where a person is working on AI to identify radiological images that a radiologist does right now and is actually outperforming the radiologist. So I actually asked the question during the talk, so how long do we need radiologists for? I mean, are we going to need them anymore in the future? And he goes, "Well, we're always going to have to have some radiologists around, but
3: some." <laughs> that's the
0: There's going to be like
2: a John yeah. Henry because, of radiology because where you can he's have
3: trying to beat the thing and right exactly like a,
2: no, you can you know th- they can you can they can look at every image. Let's say you're looking for a, a, a tumor or a, in a breast cancer, mm-hmm. they can look at every breast cancer or every breast image that's been done in terms of the a mammogram that's ever been done. Wow! And they can feed all that information in and. No single person can do that. Yeah. Right? So it's kind of exciting. Well, except Ian. Can do-
3: Are you accusing me of looking at every breast image that exists? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not accusing.
0: I'm just, that's what I read on your yeah. scientific website. <laughs> I,
2: yeah. I did meet mammogram. I did say breast image, though, so that's a little, but anyway. Yeah, gross, James. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: you freak. If there's one thing that science is, it's never gross. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was this penguin exercise suit. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Pingv-
3: penguin. Penguin. <laughs> well, yeah, they're called penguin. They yeah, called but it's
0: spelled with eyes and a yeah, v. Yeah, penguin has an i. P i n g v i n. Penguin. Penguin. Because it's Russian. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know if it's because it's Russian they spelled it that way, but it makes me feel like it's like with a Russian accent. Penguin.
2: Well, yeah. The, so that was a suit that provides resistance at each joint. And so this is to re- this was developed to try to reduce the atrophy that you get when you're in microgravity, mm. right? So your your skeletal muscles start to atrophy when you don't have any resistance, and and you don't have the resistance due to not you know the fact that you always have gravitational forces on you. Okay. So. They would put these bands, these elastic bands around the joints, and so every time you move, there's some resistance to that joint. I actually just read an article the other day that Elon Musk is developing a suit for people going to Mars Hmm. that's kind of patterned after the same thing, where they have these bands around the joints that are... Uh, can detect, I guess when you're you're ch- you're making sort of locomotor movements and it can tighten around the joints to provide some resistance. Oh, interesting. It th- wasn't a paper, it was just a p- common article in a in a in a science magazine, but I like do that that you think
3: that those will eventually replace handcuffs? <laughs> <laughs> penguin
2: suits? <laughs> yeah, but I think they call them penguin suits because when you're in a one you know a gravitational field like we're on earth, you because it m- makes it so stiff, you kind of walk around like a penguin. Oh, okay, that
3: makes sense.
0: Have you guys and seen March of the
2: penguins? Yeah. Yes, yeah. If we, we have, have.
1: Yeah. Where have he has
3: trouble moving his joints because there's so much resistance on him. <laughs> I don't remember that part. <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I saw a video once of what a human born in space would look like, and it was bizarre. Can you describe that? Because you would likely do a better job than me. Yeah, why did you make that video?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's I don't remember that video but
3: <laughs> it was just like somebody like oh because the center of gravity is off the head would be huge and the limbs would be small and it looked kind of horrifying but
2: uh, and if you're
0: trying to amp up your memory you know if you just do some exercise your, your hippocampus will become enlarged. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't project what you would look like in seven years evolving in microgravity in any sort of reasonable way. But back to the question that was asked about can you then recover from that? Sure, You can, and in fact what you find is that is, and they really demonstrate that at the end of the film, right? Mm-hmm. When the credits are rolling, mm-hmm. they come out of the spaceship they're sort of, you know, st- Dumbling around a bit because yeah. they're now in a, one, you know, a gravitational field. And then they have all this artwork being done. And you f- see that the people are changing over time. Right, right. And they are going back to what they look like. And that's the result of once you start physical activity, you can regain that. Something, though, interesting happens to the astronauts in space. If mm. that they, that they're up there for a long period of time yeah. and they do lose a lot significant bone mass and bone, and, and skeletal muscle mass, uh, there are, there are uh, suggestions that they never quite recover everything. Wow. So there is some change that's going on. And there was just this twin study done where one twin was down on Earth and one twin went up into space for a long period of time. And Whoa. there actually are what they call epigenetic changes, that there are changes that occur. Uh, this is the result of what they call methylation of your DNA. So it actually changes the way your DNA, your genes are expressed. And this, this happens in, uh, may happen in space, and that can actually be changed the way you you work physiologically a little so bit. Wait so. a minute!
0: You're telling me that one twin went out into space, one twin yeah. was here, and because of that, their DNA was well, changed. So being, ter- so being in space long term,
2: so being in space long term, seem to have these what they call epigenetic effects. Okay. So that epigenetics means outside the g- the gene, and you, you, there are actually chemical changes that go on that result in the the way genes are expressed, and this this happens for unknown reasons. I mean, nobody seems to know why that happens in space. Wow. So, and epigenetics is a big field right now. People are trying to understand epigenetics. A whole variety of issues.
3: Epigenetics, guys. Get Are there it. any guesses as to how humans will be likely to evolve over the next 700 years? Are there any major guesses? Uh,.
2: On Earth, <laughs> Sure. Yeah. or in space, yeah, space. Yeah.
3: on like a one G type situation.
0: Yeah, seven hundred years is 2G. you know from
2: evolutionary Red time G, on evolutionary Blue timeline, seven hundred years is not very long. But you right. can have changes if you get what they call bottlenecks, right? So if you had uh, some major event that only a few people got through, or a yeah. small population, hmm. then those those individuals are going to inherit the genes left by that smaller population, and that could drive the evolutionary change faster
3: but are are there major guesses let's say 5000 years then uh, are there like hey this is this might be the direction that humans are going yeah are what do going. you think is
0: the next step i always is think it like it's bigger like bigger feet i always no noses. think it's a mental evolution that'll happen that somehow we will be able to I don't know use more of our brain or something but that physically because it's kind of like a Wally situation going on right now where we kind of like we don't really need to evolve physically much more because everything is kind of easy for us we're not trying to survive and so we need another arm or some crap so I don't know. What do you think?
2: I I think uh, I feel like i been doing my quali- qualifying exam when I was a graduate student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good.
3: Uh, we're not meaning to quiz you. Keep in mind, we're idiots. So <laughs> yeah, idiots we, with power. We're, we're just we're just wanting like, hey, have you heard anything cool about weird ways that humans will look in the right, future? Right, but well, if you answer incorrectly, you'll lose your job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would what I would guess though is that. We have to look when you're thinking about how we're going to evolve. We got to look where we came from. We've been we've been undergoing evolution for the last you know several million years, right? So we're going to get like as, really
3: tiny foreheads
2: as humans, and <laughs> and part of that is that we're very tied in. We have these. Uh, effects that are associated. I'm going to go back to physical activity, mm-hmm. right? We do know in the short term when you're not physically active that you have then this propensity for chronic illnesses. I don't. Th- I don't think there's enough time for us to evolve away from that. I think if we're not physically active on a regular basis, if we don't uh, improve. The general nutrition for everyone—that is, you know, really uh, healthy ways of eating for everyone, not just for a select few—that mm-hmm. in fact we would be swept away by just massive chronic illnesses, and and the people that make it through will be those who are resistant to that, and they're resistant because they're joggers. They're <laughs> joggers, or they—they they are able to eat better, or the like. So that's I, I, the bottleneck population. That could be the bottleneck really population. Yeah. fit yeah. yoga yeah. people. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I think that our our job is to to try to. Uh, to educate people to try to be more physically active, uh, and that doesn't mean you know putting on tennis shoes and having to run ten miles a day and join the gym. It just means you know try to take the stairs when you can. Try to take the don't let the park right next to the to the to the mall. Mm-hmm. You know try to go for a walk in the evening with someone you know or a friend. And and at the same time make it make you know redesign our urban spaces to promote that. Right. right? So it's not going to be solved by biology. It's going to be solved by both understanding the mechanisms from bi- in terms of biology, and it's going to be solved by urban planning. It's going to be solved by policy. It's mm-hmm. going to be solved uh, solved by improving better distribution of healthy food, it's going to be solved by better, you know, economic uh, equality for everybody. So. Man, this is
0: great. I was going to ask you like. Here, wrapping it up, you know, obviously thank you guys both for for being here, but I was going to ask you for like a final message, and I think you just (laughs) encapsulated that so well. It really is up to us to, you know, make sure we move around a little bit more and eat better. And, you know, so if you're out there and you're a community planner or whatnot, you know, give us a chance. Don't make everything so accessible and, and easy. Right, right, right. Ian, you have something you want to f- tell
3: people about? You have yeah, to- it's important to exercise, and a great way to do that is a ladder to the moon. Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Wait, what are you campaigning for? A scientist. I want to be elected as a scientist. <laughs> Not how <all> that works.
0: <laughs> you have to go to school, and then you've come on. You don't know. Well, okay. Did uh, Albert Einstein go to school? Actually, I think he like flunked out of school famously, right? Oh no. well.
3: Okay, no, how about uh, what, Elon some, Musk? Did he go to school? Uh, I don't know if Elon Musk went did. to no, school. I think
2: he. I think he actually may have dropped out as well, or didn't complete his graduate degree. Mm.
3: Wow, I but think. is he a scientist? That's a that's a good question. A different question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like he's like a businessman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a he's a business face of a science company. Right. Yeah, yeah. of several science companies now.
2: Uh, yeah, and I'd say he's a visionary. A visionary. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's futurist. That. Okay,
0: that's what I'll be. A visionary.
3: Yeah, great. I'll be a visionary.
0: Okay, guys, look out for for Ian's (laughs) uh, new special, Ladders to the Moon. (laughs) Yeah. A visionary's tale. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, oh, look out for my comedy and music show called Shrimp Show, which Ian has done before, which is on July 6th um, at the Dynasty Typewriter, right here in beautiful Los Angeles. Yep. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producers are Megan Bates and Brent Butler. And of course, the executive producer is Brett Kushner. You're going to want to follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. There you can see a bunch of cool bonus features and quizzes and find out what the next week's film is going to be. It's like a book club, but with sci-fi films. Also, go ahead and shoot us an email if you'd like. Bad at Let us know what film you'd like us to do next or any thoughts you have on the show. And while you're at it, rate and review review. That helps us and
3: we really appreciate it. See you next time.